Welcome on for tuning into the Bad Hombres FC podcast, the podcast focusing all things pro soccer and DMV and across the United States. My name is Jose Oman, your sports writer for Sports Pulse, and joining me as always, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Had a great Thanksgiving and happy Hanukkah to everybody listening out there. Look at you. Pretending you know the calendar. Well, anyways, before we get into the MLS playoffs and the shocking display of of penalty kick taking that has ever been seen known to man. Oh, my God. That was bad. <laughs> if they were only named Teamer Verners all in the back of the jersey. But anyway, it was reported on WTOP this week that, guess what? The mayor of D.C. supports having... A parade for our Washington Spirit, who won their first league championship in franchise history just a week ago. When asked about her thoughts about uh, celebrating the team's victory, she said, And it was exciting news that another pro team won a championship that was brought home to the district. I'm excited about the signal it sends to little girls all over uh, Washington, D.C., who are participating in soccer, I I believe, at increasing uh, numbers. So we are excited uh, about we're excited about the spirit. Uh, I I would love to have a parade. So let's I'll, I'll start talking about it after her comments were released to the public. Um, not a lot of people caught on like a local outlet was the one that asked the question didn't really play it on TV. It caught online attention after the spirit tweeted it out on their social media. A spokesperson told uh, WTOP that the team is officially working with the city for a parade. They will have a parade, but details on the location and date are not available at this time. The team had elected to take time off after the championship victory, mainly to give themselves an opportunity to take a much well-deserved break. When could this parade happen? Well, the NWSL season normally starts on springtime. This past season started in May, so if it were to happen before the season, we're looking at April or May for the possible parade. DC has held two parades in the last four years for the Washington Nationals and the Capitals when they won their respective championships. It was originally scheduled to have another parade for the spring of 2020 for the Washington Mystics after their 2019 NBA Finals victory, but the pandemic canceled those plans. Mario, you want to parade? Sure, why not? Perfect excuse to go celebrate. (laughs) I mean, but should we be waiting this long for a parade? No, no, we shouldn't. uh, Usually a parade should be held within days or weeks of you winning a title. Uh, I feel that if you do it before the season starts, not that it defeats the purpose. It's just like players are going to be concentrated on the season ahead. And I don't think there would be much more hoop to it, if you will. You should hold the parade within like a certain window after winning a championship. Look, I'm not saying I'm against the parade. I want the parade. I reported on this for the, for a good reason. I want a parade. <laughs> it's not that I don't want a parade. I just think I'm with you. It's like... I remember that Mystics thing, and we got word over the Thanksgiving weekend, there's another variant. I'm fearful that we're not going to get this parade, and it could just go worse from here. Now, look, the Spirit, fine. 
ownership didn't want to deal with the issues that they're having amongst themselves to still be a storyline. They didn't want their players to go up there and be like, sell the team, Steve! Like, let's be real. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what this is. Could they have had something small out of field? Sure. As a matter of fact, that's what probably end up happening, to be real with you. I think it's going to be something small around that ballpark, and D.C. United will be helping out. Like, I don't see it being, you know, I attended both of those parades, and then the Nats and the Caps, and it was nuts. Like, I just don't see it being that kind of atmosphere. The spirit does get a good crowd, but I just don't see it being that. Big enough, boisterous atmosphere. Sure, if you have an April, May, you may get a chance to bring out more people. But I'm just surprised that the city cares. I think <laughs> you know? all guard about all this was Muriel Bowser saying, yeah, I would like a parade for the spirit. I'm like, wait, you, you, Muriel Bowser, you well, actually know the existence of the Washington spirit? Well, but prior to that game, like she was out there. She did like a like a tweet video saying so we support you and and to their credit since going to Audi Field with most of their games Spirit has been more involved in the community they've been especially involved with DC Scores being there for all the poetry slams and the Winter Fall Fest and all that other stuff so they've been involved in the community more often than even I'm surprised that that they are but. I'm with you in the fact that the city is like, yeah, let's do it. Now, I fear that this is a way to possibly push to get that World Cup bid in. Be like, see, we care. And here's the question, kids. We still don't even know who the demographic is for the spirit fan base. Like, we still don't even know. So, again, how many people are going to attend this this parade? Where is it going to be held? For me, National Mall, cool idea. I think it's too big. I think they'll probably end up doing some small, that's ballpark, Audi Field. And just honestly, the way the Houston Dash did it when they won that Challenge Cup, while it was corny, but because of COVID, it made sense. I kind of think that should work for the spirit, but they want something big. They won the league title, I think the Challenge Cup. But that drive-through celebration worked, and I think if they went on tour with this trophy, more than just have a parade, like go on tour, visit the counties, visit, fuck, heck, visit the soccerplex, give it a nice send-off. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, you know, just make the last stop of that tour the sock at the soccerplex, and it'd just be like, this is where it all began. Right. Not- I would make it the first stop and then go go ham with it. Go go to the University of Maryland, go to DC, go go to Georgetown, have the players go nuts at the water fountain, the Cath fans know what I'm talking about. You know, have them go to Virginia, go to go to Segra. Hopefully they don't get lost there. Go to, like like I would tour with the thing versus and tour with the players, they'll probably be tired of it by the fifth time. But I think a tour is more than a parade. I feel like the parade, there's just so much logistics. And let's be real now. 
this is coming at a time where Mayor Bowser has an election coming up. Is she really going to spend her time planning a, fair, a, a parade? Like, I just, I, I'm, a parade in April and May. <laughs> I don't know. That's cherry blossom time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't want to throw a parade during cherry blossom time. <laughs> uh, if you're familiar with this city during cherry blossom time, it's not a fun time. It's a fun time if you're a tourist. If you're a local, you're like, I want to get away from you people. There's a lot yeah, of crap. I don't, I, I don't think, it, am I being too negative? I'm just, I, I'm just looking at this like, there's just too much. And we saw what happened with, this, maybe that's what it is. We saw what happened with the Mystics. And I'm just like, oh, and there's another variant out. Of course there's another variant out after the Spirit win. Like, it just makes sense. It's like divine energy. No woman's sports team should be celebrated at all, according to these weird sports gods. And so it's like, man, it's not even fair. Like, I want them to be celebrated, but I don't know if if the parade is the right way to do it or if a parade is going to be done at all in general. So I just want something. I want them to be celebrated. I just don't know if the parade is the right route or if everybody's in it for the right reasons. Right, but I think the tour just going from like different parts around the city with the title, I think that would be a much cooler idea than just doing a parade. And not only does it show like, A, we're going to different places around the DMV, but this title is not just for Washington, D.C. specifically. It's for the entire D.C., Maryland, Virginia metropolitan area as a whole. Yeah, I think the only negative is like that people will probably get tired or the players would get tired or whatever. I was just thinking of that just because it, it felt like we're celebrating one of our own versus just you know the usual. And I'm 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 just I just want them to be celebrated. That's all. <laughs> hey, I, I want them to get a win, credit, baby. Also, credit to Jose Umania from WTOP for breaking the story. <laughs> We try. Uh, meanwhile, just real quickly, um, there were some matches the, that the Spirit players are participating in with the U.S. Women's National Team. They played the first of two friendlies against Australia earlier in the week. They defeated Australia 3 nothing. Uh, two Spirit players. They, in the first 30 seconds, you had Ashley Hatch getting off, getting a getting ahead of a mistake in the back and doing what she does best scoring within eight yards of distance uh, to open up the scoring. And it was a, a nice performance from spirit players uh, perspective and local players. Yeah. Mitch first go out there and get an assist on a uh, Rose Lavalgo. goal. Um, just wanted to mention that real quick before we move. Yeah, the unofficial uh, Washington Spirit victory tour, if you will. Shout out to Twitter who came up with that first. <laughs> but anyway, moving on um, to U.S. Men's National Team, being that we don't have that much local stuff, but we will make a local tie real quick. And that is the fact that the U.S. soccer has announced that Columbus, Ohio and St. Paul, Minnesota will be the venues for World Cup qualifiers in January and February against the El Salvador and Honduras. Lower.com field will be the site of the El Salvador game against the U.S. on January 27th. 
while after the, after their away game in Canada, the U.S. will come back home to face Honduras in Alliance Field in Minnesota. Kickoff times will be confirmed in the future. For both of these games, there'll be fans will be entered into a weighted draw in order to get tickets. So you can see more of that on USSoccer.com. Mario, what are your thoughts on these locations, and did U.S. Soccer do it right? Eh, kind of did it right because you're going to be playing in two places that are going to be absolutely frozen by the time January and February rolled around. So you got to play that to your advantage. Uh, I'm kind of okay with the locations. I feel that you could have picked any other location for the El Salvador game in particular. Uh, maybe Kansas City. Uh, for close for closer location purposes, Philadelphia. Uh, maybe Charlotte, North Carolina, play somewhere a little more south. But I understand where they were kind of going with, with this when picking these look when picking both Columbus and St. Paul for the for the home game venues. Given that you're playing Canada as well in this window, so I'm kind of okay with these locations. But I feel like there could have been better locations you could have played these, particularly El Salvador game. I mean. It's a known fact what this is. They were looking for locations of venues that were close to Canada and close to the temperature. So there's not much temperature change. Uh, it's been officially announced that the United States will play in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, which is in January, which is, to say the least, going to be a cold day uh, <laughs> for the United States. It was Canada that day, though. That's for sure. Yeah, so... Uh, the possibility of cold weather is super high. So picking a place like Columbus uh, before you go up to Canada is um, smart. I only have a problem with the fact that, you know, there's better. This is the second time Columbus is going to host a match of this magnitude. And originally it looked like it was going to be Minnesota, which I also would have been fine with. And I'm fine that they're going there for Honduras. I want, for me, I guess as a U.S. men's national team, admitted U.S. men's national team fan, and for many U.S. men's national team fans, I think it's being pretty clear and obvious that the the more soccer-specific venue slash white-centric areas are getting more of the rub for these qualifier games. And it's no disrespect to Nashville. I think Nashville is a wonderful place. Uh, the stadium works fine for soccer for me. Um, again, no problem with Columbus. Shit. Uh, shoot, uh, I'm going to try and make an attempt to go myself. It's just, I think, to your point, there are just better venues. I want Seattle to have a game. I think that that would have been a great location. Kansas City, the fact that Kansas City wasn't even, has, wasn't even rumored to, to this point. For, to host that game against El Salvador is amazing. Or even the one against Honduras. Like the, Remember, originally the rumors were that Minnesota was going to have that soccer game, and it was just confusing on how they were going to do it because they wanted to stay close enough to Ontario, Canada. I'm kind of stuck Other with the... continues to get snubbed for these qualifier games. It also amazes the life out of me that it does is Portland. Port, well, we know why the Pacific Northwest does. It's because of the, the turf, and they don't want to play in turf. My argument is like two thirds of these players play on turf, and it's not just the MLS guy. It's like 
Chelsea has a turf field in their practice facility. Um, all these clubs have turf fields installed, and they know how to play on turf. It's just that they don't want to play on turf, which is fine. They don't want to put a put a field on it. That is also fine. That's fine. This isn't the Gold Cup. This is you. You want to look for your advantages. I'm just saying. You don't have to always look for the most basic. And not this is disrespect, Columbus, Ohio, but to just it just feels like you're you're trying to separate yourself from the fans that that really actually watch the U.S. men's national team play. It's very clear that the ratings say more Hispanics watch the U.S. men's national team play than America, uh, white and, and white, black, or English first speaking Americans do. It's clear. It's in the ratings. More people watch on Univision or tele, or Telemundo or whatever Spanish broadcast than they do watching on 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 Fox or on ESPN. So to me, it kind of gets on my nerves when LA is never in the conversation. Uh, remember, we we said it was a detriment to play in New York, not the fact that they didn't have a way to draw like they are now. So that they can find out who the real fans are. It's, now we're just we're doing things to basically say that our consumer is white when it's clear as day not. The ratings say best. The advertising says best. Like our current national team, the youth levels say it's not. It's majority minorities of African Americans and Latinos. So if what? you're why aren't you trying to play in Texas? Why aren't you trying to play in Chicago? I'm not even here to defend D.C. because I don't think they should get a qualifier this time. But it's seeming possible, based on a person that I know, that they may bid for the Jamaica game because they held a Jamaican U.S. friendly. And it worked well here at Audi Field. So Audi Field is clearly in the running for one of these things. So... Actually, you may have to go for the Panama game. They already played Jamaica twice in these qualifiers. Well, the Panama game. Yeah, thanks for correcting me. The Panama game. So it, it and and so it could be a situation where the United States plays Panama here. But you know, why not go back to Orlando like in the last cycle for that game? Like I, I just just don't limit yourself. Part of the reason why they're limiting themselves is. I, and this is just mere speculation for me, so it's not like it, it could be true, it couldn't be true. I think it's just from the last experience they had playing in New York, for example, against Costa Rica, where there was a lot of Costa Rican fans. I guess for U.S. soccer, for them, it'd be like, oh, we don't want to have that experience again. But you are right. Why are you going? Why are you straying away from places like Houston, Sprisco, or maybe even San Antonio or Austin? Well, even though they played a qualifier game in Austin for for these kinds of game, for World Cup qualifier games, it, it makes no sense, especially given that your biggest that the the most viewers are uh, are Hispanics and that watch your games. So it, it kind of, it's kind of a detriment, and and it's kind of the contrary of that our national team is what America looks like. It's a melting pot of different cultures. <laughs> on your national team why limit yourself to just playing games in the midwest 
And it's not just the Midwest. I don't want to make it seem like it's the Midwest. But we know the names. Like, we know it's – now it's Nashville. We know they go to Orlando. The fact that KC hasn't been said but will be said in the future. As a matter of fact, since you brought up Panama, I guarantee now that it's going to be Kansas City because they have a sporting facility there, which makes no sense that they're not using it. They're going to use it, and it'll probably be against Panama. Um it just, it just doesn't like the the one that bothers me. I guess is Columbus again. Like you could have picked anybody else, but Columbus again. That's the part that bothered. I'm like, why are we pick? Why are we giving Columbus two games? They had the one game. Leave it at that. We could have played this game anywhere else. You could have played this game in Buffalo for all I care. And look, we know that the Salvadoran fan base will travel. I remember the last time that Salvador was in the World Cup qualifier against the United States. They did it in Sandy, Utah. And I remember clear as day, there were Salvadorians there in Sandy, Utah. So they will travel. And and you're going to overcharge them again. However, I'm just saying don't limit yourself to just one area unless you're saying this is our national team stadium going forward. If you're not saying that, and you're saying we're going to go to all parts of the United States, actually do that. Go to San Diego. Go to Arizona. Heck, I'm surprised they haven't gone to Vegas yet. Like, have anybody spoken about that? Like, the fact that they haven't even arranged a friendly there? That, that, that we're just going to leave Vegas? So that's what I'm saying. Like, it feels like it's being done purposefully to what you're saying because they fear of messing it up again. Well, you're doing these weighted ticket pools or whatever, fine, do it. Or advertise better. Make sure your tickets are affordable to your own fan base. There are fans that we see online all the time ridiculing. Look at the TikTok for USA versus Mexico. That tells you everything. These were American fans criticizing how expensive these tickets were. So imagine it and that's and that's before me and Mario even look at the prices for the Asylum again, which you're gonna laugh because we're gonna wanna go and we're gonna laugh because we're gonna be like, I'm not paying that. I'll take the day off, but I'm not paying that. This <laughs> is not happening. The Salvador game is the day before my birthday, so you know that I'm I'm that's probably part of the reason why I want to go to this game. Yeah, so it's like no one wants to be in Ohio, no disrespect to Ohio, but no one plans a trip to Ohio in January. So to, to, to tell me, oh, we're going to go to Ohio, no theme parks or nothing for me to do, nothing for me to do. You're going to convince me to pay over three times the value of a regular ticket to go see the U.S. Men's National Team play again in Ohio. It's pretty ridiculous. They've done – They've done. They, look – we care about Ohio during elections. We don't need to care about them that hard during a uh, World Cup qualifier. It's enough. I'm sorry, yeah, these two venues aren't even going to host World Cup games. They're going to host practice facilities. These are practice facilities. They can't even host World Cup games. Like, get out of here. Why, why are we playing in Ohio again? Like, come on now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just saying, share the wealth. That's all I'm saying. So... Does the U.S. have a shot? So it's Panama. My brain is frizzled for, t- for talking too much. Does, does D.C. have a shot uh, hosting any of these games? Possibly. Let's give it a 45% shot of hosting these games. But given everything that we have seen so far, how they pick venues for qualifiers. I mean, who right? they have left? 
So the U.S. after the games in January, the last home games is against Panama because in the last window in March, they go on the road to Azteca and they close it out in San Jose. San Jose, Costa Rica, not San Jose, California. There is a possibility, but there's also a possibility this game goes to Kansas City. Yes, frozen Panamanians. What is that in February or March? Like, like it's gonna be- March, so they'll be defrosting by then. Hondurans will be freezing their butts off playing in Minnesota. So yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna play that game in Kansas City, or they'll play that game in. They won't touch Philly, which I don't understand. That's another one that I don't get. That stadium, Chester, the stadium in Chester, is a really good venue. I, I I don't know why they don't play more games there. I don't get why they don't play. They have practices at Audi Field because <laughs> I've attended one. So they they have practices at Audi Field. I don't understand why they don't use that venue more. I don't understand why they don't use. And I guarantee you, by the way, that when Charlotte gets their stadium, if they ever get their stadium, they will use Charlotte a lot. I guarantee you. So I just don't get it. I don't get Atlanta. How have they not played a game in Atlanta? That's where I'd send Panama for real. Fill that sucker up with close to 60,000 U.S. fans against Panama. It should be called the Say Goodbye to the U.S. Tour because they're going to win this thing. And they, that's what it should be called. And they should fill up that thing. But they won't. They'll play in Kansas City. But, you know, what am I? Just creative? <laughs> I don't know. You're using common sense here. That's kind of hard. That's kind of difficult to do when you're U.S. soccer. And you're like, you know, it's a perfect place to go play El Salvador. Take this game to Columbus one more time. I feel like we have a strong, strong hold of the fan base in Ohio. And most importantly, there will not be road fans there to actually travel to Ohio. It's an 11 hour drive from here to Ohio. <laughs> from Washington, D.C. to Ohio, according to a coworker of mine, it will be done. It will be done, and there's a decent Salvadorian population near the Great Lakes. I see, I see not a large contingent, but I see a contingent of Salvadorian fans that will surprise many because they travel. You right. can't stop these people traveling. So guess what? Advertise better. Give out more tickets. Whatever happened to the giveaways? <laughs> like, oh, we don't give away tickets no more. Why? You don't think we listen to DC 101? <laughs> you, know what the funny thing, you know what the funny thing is? People forget. They're like, they're Salvadorians, they're Salvadorians in the most inconspicuous places. Remember, Eric Savaleta is from Indiana. <laughs> that's still weird. Uh, <laughs> that's still weird. We got him in the Pacific Northwest too. Um, <laughs> you got him. So. No, go ahead. It, it, it's just funny. They're like, it's like, oh, there's not going to be Salvadorans in Ohio. There's Salvadorans everywhere in this country. They're like the fourth biggest immigrant immigrant po- uh, fourth biggest immigrant population that live here, or the top ten at the very least. They're going to travel. Exactly. So we'll keep an eye on it, and if we go. We can maybe think about a podcast. We'll find out more and more. And if you want to sponsor our field trip, let us know. Uh, but should we? What should be the expectation for these two games? I feel like the U.S. better win these two games. Shouldn't oh, be. Come on now, six, are, six points. You're you're playing in January in freezing cold temperatures. 
You should definitely get three points against Honduras in St. Paul, Minnesota. For one, this team has been playing terrible throughout the qualifiers. You should win these games. Yeah, Honduras should be an easier matchup, I think. Uh, we still don't know the status of Eddie Nahar. We still don't know if he's going to be signed with DC United. And he's honestly been the reason that team is working well. And when he's not playing, it's clear that they, the Honduran national team are missing a piece. Honduras um, so, is a wild card. 15 minutes, man. That, that's so, how you see it. Honduras gives up three goals in 15 minutes uh, if you if you don't have Andy Nahar on the field. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. The, the guy tracks back. The man does. He's a workhorse. Um, but against El Salvador, I, I just feel like that's going to be a chippier affair. El Salvador's looking to add new players to its roster. They will be testing out a, uh, a reserve goalkeeper from uh, the Seattle Sounders reserves um, during the next co- uh, set of friendlies in December. They, they also called up LAFC and former Georgetown on uh, Georgetown alum Tomas uh, uh, Tomas Romero for the for these next set of friendlies that they have coming up. And he was a great player in college. Um, for those who weren't able to see him, um, got a glimpse of him uh, while covering um, college soccer. He's really really good, talented on the ball. It's a great pickup. Uh, I originally heard he was trying to hold out for the, the men's national team, the U.S. men's. Um, but I guess that didn't work out, so he's ready to go his next step. Um, but I just I think six points is right on the money, but I think Osawa will probably give the U.S. a better game, a more confusing game, and possibly their most trickiest game, considering that they'll be coming off of the of layoff. Some players will be coming off a long layoff, and we still don't know what the striker situation is in terms of who is the better striker. Uh, basically, it's whoever the coach wants to make the starter that week. It could be P. Folk, it could be Pepe, it could Josh Sargent could come back if he finds his career because he can't find it right now. So it, it's all moving chairs at this point. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. You, I think you'd have to bring your most informed strikers for these games, obviously. Yeah. But striker has been kind of like a, a sore spot a little bit for the USMT in these qualifiers, despite that they are scoring goals. It's just, you know, you can't find that you can't find that set striker, even though I think Ricardo Pepe has in the last few games has been that that set striker on the start in the starting 11 for Greg Berhalter, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll definitely see what happens and we'll keep an eye on it and report back uh, as we get more well, in the podcast on this. And that is that the MLS playoffs, uh, a tournament DC match should be in, um, is still in progress. Um, we just happened to finish watching Nashville, uh, be the weirdest team in Major League Soccer, getting another draw against the Philadelphia Union, uh, 1-1, go to penalty kicks and forget they have to actually score and win and miss all four penalties as Philadelphia won the penalty kick shootout. Um, Don't forget two of these penalties with Sky, were Sky to New Jersey. Yep. They will take on the winner of New England Revolution and New York City FC, which we will talk about later. 
on the western side, we had the Sporting Kansas City lose, lose, I tell you, to the to Real Salt Lake, who has appeared as the biggest underdog in all of MLS. We'll get to that in a second. And, and Portland, who who had a hard season with injuries, uh, advanced forward to the next round to meet Real Salt Lake in the semifinal slash Western Conference championship game. Mario, what are your biggest surprises of the playoffs thus far? Uh, obviously, RSL has to be the biggest surprise going into these playoffs. They're the only team on earth that I've ever heard, and correct me if I'm wrong here, win a game without taking a shot on goal. <laughs> that is humanly impossible. You know the smile on Ben Olsen's face when he saw that when he saw that end result? He he is going up to Paolo Mastroeni and going, show me your ways. <laughs> Not only that, your coach left midway through the season to take an assistant coaching job, ironically enough, on the team you eliminated to get to this point, the Seattle Sounders. Again, they eliminated the Seattle Sounders without taking a shot on goal. And then you go against a, against Sporting Kansas City, a team that arguably is really good at home during the playoffs, and beat them in the last 15 minutes, su- subbing in two guys like Anderson Julio, who's kind of been a good goal-scoring threat for them all year, and Bobby Wood. Yeah, that's right. Bobby Wood still exists, and he plays at Real Salt Lake. <laughs> so it, it's interesting that Real Salt Lake – given everything that they've gone through with the ownership problems they've had in the last 16 months. Their coach leaving to take an assistant coaching job with the bet with Seattle, who is, I get we could go ahead and say, it, one of the creme de la cremes of the league. <laughs> Bring in Paul Mastroeni, a man who came in, as a, came in with an interim tag, got into the playoffs in the last day, remember, on decision day, Ironically enough, beating this same sporting Kansas City team, and you're now in the Western Conference Finals. Oh yeah, and I forgot David Ochoa has become one of the greatest heels in MLS history. Well, you're gonna have to explain a little bit more about that. Basically, David Ochoa was doing everything possible to annoy Seattle, and and when it came down to the PKs, was just yapping, talking trash, and. Smack. He wasn't talking trash. That man was talking smack with a capital smack. And distracting them, and it worked. It worked to their favor, and they won the penalty kick shootout. When it came to Sporting Kansas City, though, he really did show his A-game, made some critical stops. Obviously, it, it does help when, in my opinion, Ralph Salt Lake pooched on a bunch of these opportunities to close out that game. And credit to Bobby Wood. I mean, you got to score when they give you the shot, right? I mean, it just right. doesn't. When, when the giving is good, you got to get to it. <laughs> exactly. So it it is what it is. Um, so I I, I I like the Salt Lake story. I like that Salt Lake is out here basically saying we're the underdog. They're one of the few wild card teams that have gone through everything and beaten been on the road this entire time and going through everybody um, 
to get to this to um, this the the Western Conference Championship game, I'm more intrigued to be honest with Philadelphia. I think last year was they're coming out party of sorts finally, and it's kind of weird to say for a club that's been in existence a long time, but with the team they have set up with Jaboko with with Andre Bedoya finally getting his groove in in MLS um, Montero this year. I feel like this year they were more last year they were ready, but they didn't have that experience. And a lot of times when they say a championship team needs to lose in order to make that happen, you see it with. I think we're going to see that with uh, the Union. I think they're a sleeper pick in my eyes. Um, they're just a very strong team in all facets of the game, offensively, defensively. And, of course, who am I to go against Andre Blake? Like the man, He's a madman at the goalkeeping position. Um, they're, they're a surprise-slash-underrated pick in my eyes. And I wouldn't be surprised seeing them not just in the championship game, but see them win it all. Um, we did have one Thanksgiving game, game that we do have to mention, and that was – the first in the top seed uh, in the Western Conference, Colorado, uh, who took on uh, Portland. Oh, yeah, that's right. They took, <laughs> Colorado Rapids, the top seed in the Western Conference, took on Portland. Portland wins with a with a one-goal victory. I was stunned to see that many people in Colorado. I'm glad you people uh, support your club. Thank you for coming. Come back again next year. Um, it's good to see that stadium filled up. It was I hadn't seen the filled up since they opened that thing when Luciano Emilio scored the the first goal there. So it's, I had I, I was like, wow, people are here. Uh, so I am I am very excited to see that venue full more. Robert Frazier did a great job, but to be the number one seed to get knocked out by Portland gotta hurt, but. What were your thoughts on just in general having Thanksgiving Day MLS? I never thought I'd see the day, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Given how how this league works and how how we've seen it work and evolve, I think it's just awesome to see, like, yo, MLS is finally here. We get a Thanksgiving game, a play, not on top of that, a playoff game on Thanksgiving with a packed house inside a stadium that sometimes won't fill it up for their own team and having that you take what you can get you take what you can get get. plus it was a nationally televised game so that speaks volumes because i know some people sat through the torture that was the chicago bears versus the detroit lions so you needed something good to uh, look forward to after that so yeah i thought it was pretty cool and maybe you should consider playing more playoff games around thanksgiving I would like the idea with more of them, if and only when they organize the schedule better. I get it. They do this stuff. Please, TV partners, we got new contracts coming up. There's two things I can beg MLS's guaranteed windows like they did before when they first started this contract. Remember, we knew we knew about the 3 o'clock Univision game. We knew about... The two Sunday games, one on FS1, one on ESPN. We knew those three that they were set and there were set schedules. At some point, we all decided, "F of that, we're not going to do it anymore." And now we have 
random games all over the place during the season, but also all over the place now in the playoffs. We have New England, who is going to play mainly because the pack, the Patriots played at home. But New England's playing on a Tuesday. Nashville played their first home game in the playoffs. Correct me if I'm wrong, on a, on a Tuesday as well, which was the weirdest thing on earth. They they had a couple weekday games that no one was expecting, and I know that they're really trying to accommodate for the FIFA window. But I said it before and I say it again. Until this year, when the World Cup mattered, that window had nothing going on. <laughs> it had zero going on. In the upcoming November window, we'll have nothing but friendlies preparing for the World Cup. So, again, it will have nothing going you on. watching World Cup soccer on Thanksgiving at this time next year. Yes. So... I am with the, the 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 desire of having more playoff games on Thanksgiving, but I'm going to be that hater like I've been all on this episode. Can they fix this first? <laughs> like, can you fix it first? If they can fix it, then I'll be happy. Yeah, I think that's the important part. You got You got to work out the kinks on the schedule there. I, I think I think that you you get the you hit the nail on the head there. You get you gotta you gotta have a set schedule first of all, and I don't think you could do this next year because obviously the World Cup being held around that time. But it again, it was just nice to see Thanksgiving MLS playoff soccer. No, I agree with you there. It, it it was a better it was better to watch that versus being disappointed, which a lot of football fans are, American football fans are, during that uh, holiday when their team is terrible or their team isn't playing. So it's good to have playoff action to distract us from the usual tradition of monotony where it is Thanksgiving. I will say one thing: I am disappointed of these playoffs thus far. Besides the scheduling, it's Nashville. I hate you so much, Nashville. You strive to draw, and I strive not to watch you. Like, it is embarrassing that you can't score one of four penalty kicks and two flew past 495, and I can see it fly through my house right now like a meteor in the sky. You guys knew this was a possibility, and you all stunk. Your DP, the supposed comeback player of the year, MVP finalist, whatever you want to call it, that guy went straight to Andre Blake's mitts. Terrible shot. I don't even remember who else missed, but they were so bad that I forgot their names. Uh, so I, I could actually give I could actually give you all four penalty kick takers that missed. Uh, MVP of the MVP candidate Hanny Mukhtar, Panamanian international Anibal Godoy, former New York Red Bull player Alexander Mule. I forgot he was in the league. <laughs> he forgot how to take a penalty kick. He launched it halfway in Wilmington, and he and was fresh. He came off the bench. That's the worst part. <laughs> And also, Sergio Santos, you're not exempt from uh, from ridicule either. You were just off target this entire game, but thank God Philadelphia won. Uh, and then also, USMT 
center back extraordinaire Walker Zimmerman also launched the ball halfway to New York. Hold on. I have to address this. You can't tell me. With all those midfielders you got and all them strikers you got on the bench, you went to the defender to be your fourth shooter? You went to your defender to be the fourth shooter? Okay, sure, sure. You know the last club that did that? Real Madrid. That ball is still flying. <laughs> I've searched Ramos where that ball is. I can't find it. Timo Werner's trying to find it. I mean, he misses every week, so he's going to find it one day. But, geez, Louise. <laughs> Why? Why are you not yelling at your coaches like, you know I'm a CB, right? Send it back. We clear it out. We don't hit the net. We just clear it out of the area. You only put your defender in there if he used to be a striker. I don't know anything about that man's record that said he used to be striker. No, not at all. Okay. So, why? <laughs> so, why? Why was he? Were there not better players? Could Dax not take one? Did he need his arthritis um, medication? Like, why <laughs> did he not take one? <laughs> um, I'm guessing they were watching the water boy before the game and said, you know what? I, I'm completely blanking on the line right now. <laughs> but they wanted to leave it all on the line. This wasn't it. This wasn't it, sunshine. Just just wasn't it. Yeah, it just wasn't it. It was not good at all. Uh, they're my biggest disappointment. Yeah, they won a game. They beat Orlando. I'm surprised they beat Orlando in 90 minutes, to be honest with you. I thought they were going to draw. <laughs> they beat Orlando. They fought back from a 1-0 deficit. I'll give them that. They made us say goodbye to Nani too early. I'll give them that. But I cannot give them. No. Before Best Betterly kicks. Four. I'll give not you one, two. not two, not three, but four. Now, come on, man. Come on now. Four? Oh. Oh. Well, anyways, before I erupt more on that, <laughs> so, I, I could go with my biggest disappointment. It's called oh, the Seattle Sounders. Oh, but they were injured, though. No, like... No, 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 no. You don't lose to a team that had zero shots on goal. I don't care oh. who you are. <laughs> zero shots on goal. And you mean to tell me you couldn't score a goal? You had 18 shots. 18. And you mean to tell me you couldn't score against a team that had... Hold on. Wait, let me look up the stat real quick. Zero shots on goal. I was going to pick Kansas City because, you know, comeback player of the year, Daniel Soloway. I don't know what he came back from. I guess the right bench. They decided to screw the pooch against uh, against RSL, but that's beside the point. I'm picking Seattle because you couldn't beat a team that had zero shots on goal. Zero. You created all the goal-scoring opportunities in the world. What was was Raul Ruiz Diaz still carrying that I can't score a goal slump that he carried on through the last month of the season? Is that what happened? I mean, God bless Jordan Morris's heart. He started, but he couldn't do much. Christian Roldan tried. And then Kalen Rowe missed the pe his penalty kick. So, you know, my biggest disappointment is Seattle. This is a team that should be fighting to be in these, in these spots at this moment in time. 
and you lost to a team who had zero shots on goal. Uh, I'll only give you that, you know, their two best players were in and out. But you are right. I'll give you – again, it goes back to why I was roasting Chelsea's team over Werner. Like, you can only get so many shots. You got to put one in, baby. And that was that game in a nutshell. Seattle had so many shots. They all had they all had Werner on the back of their jerseys that day. They just all they just couldn't score. It was, they could not score in the penalty kicks. They couldn't finish them. And Ochoa made the best save when he needed to. I, I, I don't even know what to say. Like Seattle will hopefully be back next season looking better, but it was a poor performance overall offensively by Seattle and give. You know, Real Salt Lake credit, they were really well defensive uh, that game. I guess we can end up with this, Mario, and that is what do you think or who do you have right now, the way it's set up, winning it all at MLS Cup? Ooh, the way it's set up. I mean, you're going to have three, three – right now you got three really good teams depending on what happens on Tuesday. I'm going to have to go with Portland winning the MLS Cup. And, and that being that Gio Savarese has a chip on his shoulder from losing the 2018 MLS Cup to Atlanta. Now, considering that you lost Sebastian, Sebastian Blanco again to injury, but this team could find different ways to score goals in, in from coming from the unlo- most unlikeliest of sources. And Larry's Mabiala, a guy who... Practically didn't score all season, got two goals in the playoffs so far. So, given that, and they also have a tendency of showing offensive fl- uh, an offensive flair when they need to, I'm going to go with Portland as my as my pick to win MLS Cup. I mean, I said it earlier, I think it's going to be Philadelphia, but I do think it would be dumb of both of us if we don't acknowledge the fact that New England is sneaky freaking good. There's a reason why they won and broke the record for the most points of one season. Um, They're very good up top. The surprise has been that they haven't swept all the individual awards uh, so far. Carlos Hill was named the comeback player of the year. We'll get the rest later, but it looks like Bruce Arena is going to be named coach of the year. Um, and Gil may also be called the MVP. Um, it, give it to him after Hanky Mukhtar missed that pet. Uh, Hanky Mukhtar missed that penalty earlier tonight. So I won't be surprised that they quietly defeat New York. They go, they host Philly, they quietly get the business done, and then they host MLS Cup, which, you know, for the old school heads, an MLS Cup of Foxborough, just it's 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 a fun watch, but you hope it's on grass, not on the you hope it's on grass, not on the thing that they have there, um, the the rocks and cobblestones that is uh, Gillette Stadium. Um, so, so it's brought in from the city of Boston. So you know. I'd be dumb enough not to acknowledge that. I just think, similar to your point about Portland, I feel like last year was the year Philly came out and shocked everybody, but they feel like they should have won the title last year. 
so I see them uh, ha- them having a little bit more oomph in their step to be everyone and become champion. But I won't be surprised if the future coach of the year does it again and he wins another one. Uh, he's got a nice stack trophy case. That man's going to retire, not just as the winning as head coach in most history, but like he is going to be the stand. He's is the standard. And he's making it hard and hard for whoever comes in to live up to that standard. And I kind of love it that Bruce Arena keeps doing this over and over again. Bruce Arena was done after 2017 when he failed to qualify to the World Cup. Yeah, but that was, again, that was a guy who was coming off of coaching the Galaxy with all these stars, had very little time to prepare, and admittedly was taking it one game at a time approach to the point where they weren't even prepared for Trinidad and Tobago until after the Panama game. I think that mistake really got to him, and I think that is the reason why he took this job. He wanted to correct the wrong, and with a team that nobody expects him to do anything with. I think when he got hired, people were like, oh, he's going to steal the ship, but I don't think winning the Supporters' Shield and being the number one overall seed was something that everybody was expecting. I will admit I wasn't. So I I can't, even though I still think Philly's my pick, I will not sit here looking surprised at all if they sneak off 2-0 victory here, a 2-1 victory there, and then they go to MLS Cup and they throttle whoever's in the Western Conference uh, 2-0. And I say throttle because they'll be the best team on the field. There has not been a team that really has challenged England outside of maybe D.C. United, maybe outside. Even Atlanta uh, has had a game or two there. Phillies had good games with them, but it's been very – there's a reason why they're the new points records holders. It's because they're that good, and I expect them to look and be good again. Right. So, I mean, also I expect Gustavo Bo to be the one that scores those goals if they make it to the MLS Cup. And become MVP. I, I know I said earlier it could be Gil, but I think it's Bo that's nominated. But I think a Rev should win that dang award anyway. Like, that team has just been too too good not to be recognized. Exactly. Especially considering they broke the points record. And considering that Bruce Arena took the job after, you know, coaching wizard extraordinaire Brad Friedel couldn't do much of anything in New England, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. He showed that he and with basically the same squad. He's going. Right. Basically with the same squad. Brad Friedel failed to do anything. Bruce Arena made, uh, moved his magic wand and was like, voila. Exactly. But our magic wand is saying it's time for us to turn off this podcast. So that's enough for us today. So before we let you go, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right, if you want to see what I'm working on or want to read my latest and greatest leftover, uh, Thanksgiving leftovers recipe, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioMaya1. If you want to see what's going on in the world around you or what's going on in DMV, you can follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter as well, at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you want to help me uh, put more money in my pocket so I could buy some, I could buy some Christmas gifts, go to your local newsstand or pit. Or to your local metro station to pick up a copy today of El Tiempo Latino, a hard copy. And as always, you can follow me at 
on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Romana for more. Special shout out as always to Kevin McLeod and Impotech for the intro music. Remember, rate, subscribe as always on Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much once again for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.